Today we're going to talk about some people that were haters in in the Bible, um, and they were coming against this church. We're in a series now in Colossians called Hidden Treasures, and the church at Colossae, there is a lot of crazy stuff going on. There were like really crazy teachings, crazy, um, kind of like maybe this area. There were a lot of like different doctrines and kind of some cultic behavior. And it was just really, it was a crazy church. And so there were some haters that were, uh, that were coming against this church. And so this is, this is what Paul essentially was writing to them. But let me ask you, do you know any haters? If anybody has ever had Facebook, (laughs) you know, some haters, (laughs) You know those people that when you're around them, and I hope I'm never this to someone ever, but you know when you're around them, you just feel stifled and you just feel like they're constantly disapproving of you and looking down on you and just thinking that you're just kind of the scum of the earth. You know anybody like that? That They just make you feel really unloved. Okay. Are any of you haters? Raise your hand. Haters, raise your hands. There's a hater. (laughs) Um, There is really only one opinion that we should be concerned with. And that is the opinion of our loving daddy God. It's like that song we just sang, who you say I am. That's what matters. It matters what he says we are. It doesn't matter what the haters say. It doesn't matter what people who don't know us or don't understand us say. It really only matters what God says. And so today, let's open up, um, if you have your Bible with you, Colossians 2. We're going to read through just the chunk here. And then we're going to go and kind of break it down a little bit. So Colossians 2.16. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial and the worship of angels, saying that they've had, oh, I just lost my place, saying that they've had visions um, about these things. Now, check this out. Read this together with me, this line. Their sinful minds have made them proud, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. For he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. For you have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are what? Mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline. Read this with me. But they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. So we're going to kind of break this down today. I'm going to talk about three different types of haters. There are the legalists. So there's legalism. Then there are the mystics, that's mysticism, and then there are the ascetics, and that's asceticism. So legalism, mysticism, and asceticism. And I'm going to define all three of those terms as we go, but I'm going to start with the first one because I think this one is probably the most common that we run into. We run into people who are what's called legalistic. This is actually, this comes from a, a court of law. The term means to, uh, to go back to a previous ruling that has been done. You know, like when you, like Ira was talking last week about court cases, courtroom cases on TV where, you know, they say this was, you know, Johnson versus Olson, you know, and, and they'll refer back to another ruling that had already come down and they will use that as their precedent. That's where the term originally came from. In spirituality, what legalism is, is it's, it's an attitude or preference or a tradition or an opinion that people foist upon others. And it's, it's typically external. We're going to talk a lot about the legalists today, but, but it, it's something that they mandate for other people. 
And it doesn't rely on the grace of God. It doesn't rely on what Jesus did on the cross. It's just a set of rules that are not necessarily birthed by the Spirit of God. So we're going to start with legalism. Colossians 2, verse 16. So don't let anyone condemn you. Don't you love that? Don't let anyone condemn you. Some versions say don't let let anyone look down on you. Some versions say uh, don't let anyone pass judgment on you. Don't let them. I mean, you can't stop them from what they say, but you can stop receiving it. You know, you can stop being concerned about it or taking it in. You know, the Bible says fear of man is a snare. What happens if we do things based on our fear of what other people are going to think or say or do, then we become codependent and then we become bound. That's the snare. It says the fear of man is a snare. And so here it says, don't let anyone condemn you, judge you, look down on you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. You know, this is going back. They're saying, oh, you have to do these things if you want to go to heaven or if you want to be right with God or if you want to be saved. It says, for these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. So, in, in the court of law, legalism is the belief that previously written legal documents, congressional acts, and case laws are the only tools needed to solve legal problems. In spirituality, it's, it's external rules or laws forced upon you. So what, what the Bible has to say about this is that the letter of the law kills, but the spirit brings life. So, you know, in the Old Testament, everything points to Jesus, all of the rules and the festivals and everything points to Jesus. But it also, Jesus himself said, hey, I didn't come to, to abandon the law or abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. So Jesus himself is the fulfillment. And so, so it's saying this is just a shadow of the coming of Christ. All these festivals and all these things that you're, that you're saying you have to do, these are just foreshadows of, of Christ coming. It says in 2 Corinthians 3, 17, it says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. Freedom. Liberty. Liberty. There's freedom. This is a picture that I get so often of people who Jesus died for them. He went to the cross and sacrificed his life for their sins to set them free because, because the Bible says it's for freedom that Christ set us free. So don't, don't go back to the same old rules and laws. It's saying he set you free from the law of sin and death. But I get this picture of people there. They're like in a cage. And Jesus came with a key and he opened up that cage. And he said, come out, walk in freedom. And people just stay in the cage. And I don't get that. I really don't understand why would you want to stay in that cage? So hopefully today you're going to have a revelation. If, if you are someone who is still caught in your cage, that Jesus has set you free and that he has defined you and he has called you for purpose and he has called you because he, he loves you so much. So what does legalism bring in people? Think about the people that you know or that you've met in the past who have been legalistic. There is a joylessness. You know, if you're just always trying to keep rules, there's not a lot of joy in that, not a lot of freedom. Because to be honest, you never know when you've done enough. You never know when you've completed everything that you need. There's a condescension. Um, they, They look down on you like, oh, well... You're not quite as holy as I am. Maybe someday you can be as righteous as I am. You know, true spirituality causes you to grow more and more humble. True spirituality, it's, it says that I may decrease, that he might increase, that, so that I decrease. It's not about, check me out. I, I think I may have shared this story with you um, one time. I was, I'm probably judging her, but anyway, um, I was in this store and there was this lady and she had this whole cart full of toys. And as she was standing in line, I could hear her talking to the lady behind her and she's like, yes, I'm going to take all these toys down to the poor. And I just was like, 
threw up in my mouth a little, and I just was like, wow, that's kind of defeating the whole purpose. Because Jesus said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. You're supposed to do these things between you and God. Anyway, okay, so I'll go on. Um, there's a judgmentalism. <laughs> so I guess that was me. Um, you know, where they're just judging. They, they're just scrutinizing your life. There is a absolute pride involved where the focus is upon the person and how great they are and how spiritual they are. True spirituality never puffs us up, but it always makes us more humble. Um, there's a certain rigidity. You know, you can see that with these people. They're very rigid and don't want to make any mistakes. And you, in turn, when you're around them, you're like, oh, I feel like I'm walking on eggshells. There's a disapproval. There's like a restriction on them. They're like really like restricted in what they can, like how they can act. They can't just relax and, and be themselves. And I'm not saying, you know, just let yourself do whatever. But, you know, there's just like a, like a, a restriction on them. They're very critical. They have very critical spirit. They criticize everyone else. And I'm, that's not what I'm trying to do here. I'm just trying to point out. Um, if you are that person, then, you know, own it and confess it today and repent. I was super convicted when I was, was actually studying for this. I was like, wow, I have, I have gone through seasons in my life where I was absolutely a legalist. And it was so crazy because I came out of such a lawless past, like such a crazy wild past. But then like a month later, I'm sitting there judging everybody, you know, (laughs) for doing the same exact things that I was doing, you know, and, and it's just, it's just that religion. It's that external thing. And that's the next thing. There's an externalism. It's, like the things that you do, the things that you wear or the things that you eat or drink or the, you know, the, the external behavior rather than the internal. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but you do not have the power, nor do you have the authority, nor do you have the ability to change another human being. Anybody who's married will know this. <laughs> you know, I, I've met so many women and they, and they go into marriage thinking, oh, I'm going to change him. Oh my goodness. Or so many men going into marriage thinking, oh, well, she's like this now, but I'll change her. You can't change another person. Parents, you know this. You can't change your kids. You can, you can help try to develop them and, and instruct them and guide them and discipline them and all of those things. But ultimately, it comes from within. That's what Jesus said. Our sin comes from within. It's not the externals. So, but legalism is all about the external and there's a bondage there in the people who are legalistic. They're so bound by rules and restrictions and law, but most importantly, and this is the thing, there is such a lack of love. You know, you've been around those people and, and there's like this piety about them that just makes you feel like you're just such a loser. Anybody ever feel like that around someone? Like you're just like, you can't breathe. And if I've ever made you feel like that, I just, seriously, I want to apologize because I, I, I really had to repent before the Lord just for you know, some of the things that I saw in my own life. But forced commitment rarely leads to transformation. So if someone is trying to make you do something, it rarely leads to a true transformation. But grace often leads to a deeper place of commitment, Right? It's God's grace. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Eric used to, my uh, husband who passed away three years ago, he used to talk about the heresy of good morality, where people do all the right things on the outside, but on the inside their lives are, like Jesus talked about the whitewashed tombs. He said, you know, on the outside they look so clean and beautiful, but inside there's nothing but death and decay. And that's really what legalism does. That's what religion does. When it's an external thing, it just sucks the life out of you. And just, it's, it's just, it doesn't change you. Um, there's a book called Breaking Free, Rescuing Families from the Clutches of Legalism by a guy named David Miller. He says this, quote, legalists, now get this, this is a little bit wordy, but legalists are people who add personal preference to accepted doctrinal teaching They accept these additions as having equal weight with the doctrinal teaching, and they apply these additions to the judging of others. 
Ugh. Gross, huh? That's what legalism does. Legalism says that God will only love you if you do everything right. Um, Legalism says you have to do all these good works and that's the only way you can get into heaven. Legalism says you have to dress a certain way. You have to only eat certain foods or not eat certain foods. You have to worship on a certain day. You have to do all of these things, these rules, these laws. And there's no room left in there for the spirit of the Lord to come in. And that's the problem. I, 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 I'm going to quote something that was on Twitter, which I don't always recommend, but um, I hope I don't offend anyone, but someone sent me this. This is a guy, I would say, he probably is the poster child for legalism. Um, I submit that a woman who claims to be a pastor is theologically just as bad as a sex offender who is hired as a pastor. (sighs) Now, I love the word of God. And I absolutely believe every single word is true. But you know, there there are people who are so legalistic that they put all of the stock in their interpretation of the Bible. They put all of their stock in, in what they think the Bible says. When, again... When we get to heaven, I think we're going to go, oh, what? Really? I think there are so many things we're going to be like, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that. I mean, even as you grow spiritually, your, your life changes. You start to change your mind about certain things, right? And so um, I, I think people exalt their own interpretation of the Bible higher than they exalt the actual Bible. And that's a super, super dangerous place to be. And let me just encourage you, be humble and teachable in what you believe and what you, what you think, because we are all going to stand before God and have to give an account. Um, there was a, a gal um, who used to go to church here a long time ago, and um, she was, I would say, probably the most legalistic person that I had ever met. And... I would get off the phone from talking to her and I would literally, I'd feel like, wow, I don't think I'm saved. <laughs> I would get off the phone and I'd think, oh, I don't even know the Bible. You know, she just, there was a way, I mean, and she could quote chunks of scripture. I mean, she could go on and talk about all these deep things, but she was super closed and really, you just walk away and you just feel like, oh, I'm, I'm a worm, you know? <laughs> um, And I do believe that there, you know, we talk about spiritual warfare and spiritual dynamics. I believe that there is a spirit of Jezebel. And what the spirit of Jezebel does, it it primarily targets spiritual leaders, pastors, um, or teachers. But the spirit behind Jezebel wants to make you believe that you are just, I almost said a word that I probably would have regretted, that you are just... A worm. Okay, we'll use the word worm. That you are just the scum of the earth. That you are, you don't know anything. You are not spiritual. You are not right with God. You're all of these things. That's what the spirit of Jezebel, it wants to choke the life out of people who legitimately want to grow and know Christ. Um, you know, uh, our four square motto, I've talked about this before. We're part of a, an interdenominational denomination. And our motto is, in, in essentials, unity. So in the essential things, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. But in all things, charity or love. And so there are three things that, that cause us to behave the way that we do based on um, different things. We're going to put it up here. So the first one is there are clearly stated non-negotiables in the Bible. These are the things that are black and white. You can't misinterpret them, you know. These are the essentials of Christianity. For example, giving. We're called to be generous. We're called to give. You know, there's Jesus talks about giving all the time. And we're called to forgive, which simply means giving up the right to hold something against someone. And let me say, y'all, forgiving is hard, isn't it? And I have looked for the clause that says, 
only forgive if they ask for forgiveness. <laughs> it's not in there. Even in the original Greek. <laughs> we forgive regardless. Because Jesus said, I, I, I got so busted this week. I had a rough week, you guys. Um, <clears throat> and I had a situation where someone deeply, deeply wounded me. And um, I was ticked. I mean, I, wow. I was like, ooh, where'd that come from? <laughs> there was a part of me that I was, I was so ticked. And I was trying so hard to get right with God, you know? I was like, and I was like oh, God. God, I... <clears throat> I'd be so mad. I'd be like, oh, I forgive this person. I'd be like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> you know, I was just so, it was so annoying. And, and I really, it was like, I felt like I said, Lord, please forgive me. And I felt like the Lord said, no. Now, don't stone me as a heretic yet because I'm going to explain. <laughs> Because Jesus says in the same way that we forgive, we will be forgiven. And, and I, I know the Lord wasn't saying, no, I'm not going to forgive you. But I felt like he was saying, this is what you're doing to her. And now you're asking me to forgive you. Okay, is that clear? So I'm not a heretic, right? I mean, I, well, I'm not. <laughs> but forgiving is hard. It goes against Everything in our flesh, it goes against our sense of justice. It goes against our, our sense of righteousness, you know, because it's not fair, right? It's not fair. People sin against us, but we are called to forgive. And this is one of my little soapboxes. Keep your account short. You could be dead tomorrow or they could be dead tomorrow. Do you really want to hold this against that person? Do you really want that to be the last conversation you have or whatever? I'm just saying, forgiveness is not for the sake of the person you're forgiving. It's for your sake. It's for your sake so that you can come out of that cage and walk in freedom. So there are clearly stated things, giving, forgiving, serving. We are all created to serve others. We are not created to just be takers. We're called to be givers. And, and people that serve others. We are all, we, every single one of us has spiritual gifts that God has placed within us. And, and we're supposed to use those gifts for the building up of the body of Christ. Every one of us is called to prefer others better than ourselves. And that, again, doesn't make sense from the natural mind, mindset. You, it's hard to imagine preferring others better than yourself. But that's what Jesus calls us to. He calls us to lay down our lives for people that we love. And last but not least, we are called to love unconditionally. That doesn't mean if you're in an abusive situation or if you're in a situation that's unhealthy that you have to continue to put yourself back into it. In other words, there is there's forgiveness and then there's reconciliation. That is not always necessary. You need to reconcile it between you and God in forgiving. But that doesn't mean you necessarily have to put yourself back in a situation where you could be harmed. Is that clear? Okay. So I, I just want to say this. This is a little bit of a, a rabbit trail, but um, welcome to me. Um, don't use your pain or your hurt to justify being profoundly selfish. You know, so many people, especially now, you know, we've got this entitlement attitude and the victim thing. It, all of us are victims in, in one sense or another. We've all been hurt. We've all been rejected. We've all been abandoned. We've all been, you know, broken. But don't use that as an excuse to be selfish, to be self-focused and to think that yours is the only perspective, okay? Just don't do that. Lose your life. Jesus says it. If you lose your life, you'll find it. If you, if, you find, or if, if you try to save your life, you will lose it. Okay? Okay, so there are clearly stated non-negotiables in the Bible. Then there are non-specific principles that, that we have in the Bible. These are things, they're not clearly stated, but, but you can gather from the context. Like, for example, don't molest children. Okay, it doesn't say that in the Bible. But we can pretty much gather from the teachings of the Bible that that would be something the Bible would say. And 
it doesn't say, for example, it doesn't say, don't go over the speed limit. But Romans 13 does say that we need to submit to the laws of our land. So there are principles. They're not black and white. They're not stated clearly, but you can gather it. Okay, does this make sense? Is this clear? Okay, and then last but not least, there are, and this is what legalism is, extra biblical preferences, interpretations, or mere traditions of humans. Now, this doesn't have to relate to legalism. I mean, there are certain things. For example, we, um, we do worship typically in the beginning of service to prepare people's hearts to hear the word of God. That's just a tradition. There's nothing in the Bible that says, oh, well, you have to do it this way and this way. It's just a tradition. So it's not necessarily always this evil thing, but it can be an evil thing if you try to impose that on someone else and you try to say, this is what God says. For example, um, some religions say you have to wear a three-piece suit to church if you're a man. And if you're a woman, you have to wear a dress. You can't wear pants. Or um, it says you can't go to movies just because they have a certain rating. Or it's, you know, you can't drink coffee. Or, you, you know, you can't play cards. Some religions say that you can't play cards. I love cards. For me, I think the reason that I shouldn't play cards is because I'm so competitive. So it's not the cards that's the sin. It's how I act. I used to tell my kids, um, we only play for fun, but it's not fun to lose. So. (laughs) So what the legalist does, for example, a legalist would be a person who... They enter into a, a, a zone, a speed zone, and it says 45 miles an hour. What the legalist will do is they will go 45 miles per hour, period. They won't go 46. They won't slow down if it's raining or snowing or foggy. That's just, it's 45. So they don't take things into context. Do you guys, have any of you ever seen Meet the Parents? Sorry if this is a... Anyway, there's a scene that I just love, and, and it's, um, so he goes to the airport, and he's going to fly out, and it's like three in the morning, and, and the guy is like the only person standing, or sitting in the waiting area, and there's the flight attendant, and she stands, she's standing up there, and she says, we like to welcome all passengers in rows one through ten, please. And so the guy, he, he looks, and. He looks around, there's nobody there, so he hands her the ticket. She goes, I'm sorry, you're in row 11. You're going to need to step aside and wait. So he like stands there. It's just so legalistic. I mean, she's like letter of the law, you know? And then she, then she waits and he steps back. And We'd like to call all passengers in rows 11 through 20, please. And then he comes up there, and then she's like, thank you, sir. And then he gets on the plane. Just such a ridiculous scene. But that's what the legalist is like. Letter of the law. And, and really, the, the, the legalist really does a lot to mess people up in, in their security in Christ. You know, throughout, throughout Colossians, it talks about how we're in Christ. You know, there are these hidden treasures that we, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, but what the legalist wants you to believe is, no, you haven't done enough. You have to do it this way. You are not good enough. You're probably not going to heaven. This is, this is what the, the insecurity that legalism can create. And Luke eleven forty two, Jesus talked to these Pharisees, and they were legalistic. And he says, what sorrow awaits you, Pharisees? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. So what these guys would do is they, have you guys ever seen a mustard seed, how tiny it is? They would have 10 mustard seeds and they'd take one and they'd tithe it. Or like a, like a basil plant, they would count out 10 and take one. And they would tithe on this. And Jesus is saying, you know, yeah, sure, go ahead and tithe, but you're missing the whole point. He says, you're missing the whole point. You're ignoring justice and what? The love of God. He's saying, 
This is far more important than, you know, picking up this, you know, one out of 10 mustard seeds. There's only one opinion that matters to us. There is only one opinion that we should care about. And that is our loving daddy, God. You know, we talk about it in worship about we worship to an audience of one. Knowing that the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the earth, seeking those whose hearts are wholly his. And it says the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the evil and the good. He sees everything, everything, no matter how you make it look on the outside, God knows our hearts. And that used to be kind of scary to me. But the the awesome thing is that his love overwhelms even our own flesh and our own sin nature. It's like as we surrender to him more and more, he says, I'm going to clean you up. It's not, oh, get your act together before you can be in my presence. It's not that. It's you can't get your act together. So let me go to the cross for you and pay the penalty for you. And then I'm going to fill you with my spirit. And then you can get your act together and you can walk out of those cages that you've been bound by. Okay, so I better start hurrying up. Okay, mysticism. This is a second one. These are people that are looking for the spiritual, you know, like the really weird, like they're always looking for the latest and greatest crazy thing. Oh, you wouldn't have believed what God did, you know, and it's like some, you're like, why? (laughs) Why would God do that? And I'm not going to go into it too deep, but I just want to say there are certain things that give Christianity such a bad name because there are these weird things that are not of God. They're extra biblical. There are these experiences and, and there are like these prophecies that are given that are, they don't come to pass. Well, if you really want to follow the letter of the law, it says, if a prophet prophesies and says, this is what the Lord is saying and it doesn't happen, that person must be stoned. And I'm thinking, yep, <laughs> they must be stoned. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's not an issue of having this experience because how many of us know we walk with the Lord. It's a walk. It's a step at a time. And sometimes we go through desert periods. We go through periods where we just feel like God is far off and we wonder, you know, where is he? But this is all part of the Christian life is, you know, he allows us to go through these times, but he's always there. But he doesn't necessarily always manifest himself in these weird ways. And these mystics, they were saying, it says in uh, Colossians 2.18, don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying they've had visions about these things. You know, you've, you've seen these people, they, they have visions. And you're like, well, that doesn't sound like that lines up with the Bible. But yet, you know, they're very spiritual, very mystical. And it says, they have, saying they had visions and their sinful minds have what? Made them proud. Well, the Bible says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So God is opposed to this mysticism and this, these weird spiritual experiences. It says they are not connected to Christ. In other words, they are not believers in Jesus. They're not Christians. Even if they say that they are, even if they use Jesus's name, they are not Christians. It says he is the head of the body. He holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. You know, There's a lot of really weird stuff that people, you know, they'll say, oh, I'm spiritual. I'm just not religious. And they'll, they'll buy into any kind of weird doctrine. They'll buy into all these strange philosophies. And then you go, where did you come up with that? And they're like, oh, I, I just, that's just what I think. And I'm like, we have years and years and years of evidence that the Bible is true and testimonies throughout the centuries of people who believe and trust the same Holy Spirit that we trust and believe in. The same Holy Spirit that Jesus said he was going to send when he, when he departed and went to be with the Father, seated at the right hand of the Father. And yet people in their own minds, they puff themselves up and they think that they somehow have the corner on the spiritual market. It's just astonishing. And, and so this whole passage is saying, don't let them look down on you. Don't let them pass judgment. If, especially if they've got this 
oh, I've had all these experiences, so I am far better than you. And if you ever have those experiences, then you too can be part of the club. If there's like that spiritual like arrogance or like they're, they're, they make you feel like they're the haves and you're the have not, that is not the spirit of Jesus. But it does say, who are you to judge another man's servant? So um, there's only one opinion that we care about, right? Whose opinion is that? Our loving daddy God. Okay, so then, so we have the legalists, the mystics, and then the last one is the ascetics. So this is asceticism. It says, uh, verse 20, you've died with Christ. He has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of this world? Such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. This, the, the word for um, the rules of this world is dogmatizo. It's they're dogmatic. And these are the rules of the world. They say, oh, well, you can't eat or drink this, or you can't do this. These things are not from God. Now, if you know Jesus, if you have been born again, and you're walking in the spirit, you know which things he is calling you to and which things he's not calling you to. Um, but this is saying, don't fall into the patterns of the world. I just was trying to think if I should say something or not. So I didn't. You're welcome. So don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. So this is, what this says is this is like, they are like the referee of your life. Like they're the ones that are trying to say, oh, well, we know best, whether it's a touchdown or, you know, you know, when they go and they watch the, the, um, scene over and over again, you're like, oh, was, did the guy's second foot touch before he went out of bounds? Or, you know, was his knee down? Or, you know, they have all these things and they make all these judgments and that's what they want to do. That's what the world wants to do to us. You know, I had a kind of a crazy experience with someone. They, they found out something about me and that I don't think I'm going to say, but it was, it was not sin. So don't go there. But it was just a, it was a, okay, I'll tell you. Okay, so after my husband died, I got a G-U-N. Just, I, I, I don't ever plan to use it. I don't ever want to use it, but it's in my house. And um, so this person found out that I had a gun, and they were like, I can't believe it. You're supposed, there's not supposed to be an evil bone in your body. And I'm like, wait, I go, if someone comes into my house and wants to rape me or kill me, I said, I'd just, I'd just like to have it as an option, you know? <laughs> but this guy, I mean, he just would not leave me alone. He's like, I can't believe it. You're supposed to be a spiritual person. And I'm like, and this guy's an atheist. So I'm like, you're judging me. You are judging me. I said, stop judging me. I'm sorry if I, if I offended anybody by what I said, but... It's, it's just so interesting to me that this person who doesn't know Christ is telling me how I should be acting. I mean, do you ever go up to an atheist and go, you know, you're being really loving right now. You're not a very good atheist. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> Verse 22. Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline. They provide no help read this, in conquering a person's evil desires. There, were the pe- there are people in um, Israel called the Essenes, and what they would do is they would wear like burlap clothing. They'd have like one outfit, and they would lay, they would sleep like on this hard ground. They wouldn't have pillows or blankets. They would only eat like horrible food, and they, and they thought that they were more pious as they said no to the body, as they said no to earthly pleasures. Well, the Bible says that God has given us everything we need for, or everything we need for life and godliness. And it says he's given us everything to richly enjoy. So God's not this big killjoy who's like, wear burlap or you don't go to heaven. That is not God. That is not what he's like. When I first became a Christian, I don't know what it is, but I'll tell you, I was so legalistic and I just, I look back now and I'm like, 
I should have just been so humble and so grateful that God saved me from the things he saved me from instead of so concerned about other people and what they were doing and thinking that I somehow had the corner on the spiritual market. It's just so crazy to me why that happens. It kind of reminds me of like, you know, the best football player ever that is too lazy to put down their beer and get out of their recliner. You know, the one who thinks they know everything. They're sitting there, ah, oh, that's what they should have done. I would have thrown that past. You know, it's like, they don't know. It's like, they don't do it and they're not interested in it, but yet they're, they're the ones standing there judging. I may, may or may not have been that person. <laughs> A little critical. But I mean, it's like when we first moved here. So coffee, for example. So in this culture, we thought, well, maybe... Maybe we shouldn't drink coffee. You know, maybe we should be sensitive to people around here, you know. And, and I had a, a young lady who cleaned my house one time, and she saw my coffee maker, and she goes, why do you have a coffee maker? And I said, to make coffee? <laughs> and she said, doesn't it say in the Bible you're not supposed to drink coffee? I was like, I haven't read that. <laughs> in second opinions so uh, so so I I do drink coffee so I enjoy coffee I'm not addicted I just enjoy a good cup um the other thing is quiet time you know people will put put this you have to have quiet time like it's this task like it's a chore you all guys enjoy your time with Jesus Read the Bible and look for him to speak to you and, and hang out with him. Turn the radio off in your car and just talk to him. That's called prayer. Do that and enjoy it. Enjoy your time with him. It shouldn't be like this thing you have to check off your to-do list or like this legalistic thing. Um, you know, there are some, some maybe religious sects. They'll say, well, if you don't speak in tongues, you're going to hell. It's like, the Bible does not say that. Paul says, I, I wish that you would all speak in tongues more than, than I do. He's like, don't forbid the speaking in tongues. But it does not say that if you don't speak in tongues, you're going to hell. I was told that before I became a Christian. So I was like, also, no makeup. You know, some sects, they forbid women from wearing makeup. But I just want to say, sometimes you, you need to paint the barn. Some of you men should too, actually. <laughs> you know, some sex say never, women can never cut their hair. They have to always have long hair. Or if you have tattoos, you're going to hell. Or if you have too many piercings. It's like, these are all things that are imposed by people's own personal preferences. We are called to repentance. We're called to holiness. We're called to be godly. But, but you know, the thing is, it's between you and your maker, and I want to say this, um, you know, Paul says, don't use your freedom to cause someone else to stumble. What may be sin for you may not be a sin for someone else. Again, there are black and white things. Some things are just sin. Stealing is just sin. Lying is sin. Okay. Committing adultery is sin. But if you are free in a certain area, I'm going to use this example. You may be a person who, you can have a glass of wine at dinner, and it's not an issue. It's not a problem for you. It's not sin. However, if you have someone over, and you know that that person has a problem with alcohol, or you know that they're an alcoholic, don't, don't use your freedom to cause that person to stumble. Die to yourself. Don't have a glass of wine with your meal. You can do that. Or, you know, certain things, certain movies. I mean, I know some people, they cannot watch particular kinds of movies. It's sin for them. Now, some movies are just sinful, okay? You know that, right? I don't have to define that. But other people, you know, some people can't watch violent movies. It's sin for them. Some people can't watch romantic movies. I mean, even if they're PG or G, just because it stirs something, it's internal. It's an internal thing. Um, Martin Luther, um, he, he talked about at his monastery, if the men in the monastery had lustful thoughts, 
they would have to go throw themselves in a thorn bush. So you'd always know, like, who's struggling with lust. <laughs> All these cuts and <laughs> everything. <laughs> but it didn't do anything to change their hearts. You know, it just, it, it was probably painful and it was probably kind of a deterrent, but it didn't change them internally. There's a quote that I read that I loved. It's the essence of Christian theology. Theology just means the study of God. The essence of Christian theology is grace. And the essence of Christian ethics is gratitude. You know, the, the most, I think one of the, the highest forms of maturity is obviously love. That is that which marks us, that which sets us apart. And the more spiritually mature you are, the more loving you will be. But I also believe that gratitude goes hand in hand with that. That when we love God so much, we are so... I mean, did you guys see Noah up here doing his little jig? Like, I love God, you know? Don't you love seeing that? Doesn't it make you go, yeah, me too? You know? And the thing is, you know, Jesus is coming back. And there is one of three reactions when he comes back. Either people are going to be terrified because of their lifestyle or what they're doing or what they're living or because they haven't given themselves to him. Or they're going to be so grateful and so relieved and so happy. Or they're going to deny it, that he's, that, that he's even coming back. And that is not an option. There are only two things that if Jesus walked through the back door, right there, hi, Jesus. I was just saying if Jesus walked through the door and you walked in, so. So, But how would you respond with just how you're living right now? Would you want today to be your last day on earth? Do you really, and I'm, this is not legalism, but I'm saying if Jesus came in, could he say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. What would your response be? It says the, in John 1.17, it says, The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth. There's always that balance. We are called to repentance. We are called to humility. We are called to sanctification, which just means, you know, being set apart, being, being prepared for the things God has for us. We're called to all of these things, but we're also called to receive his grace. And, and when Jesus Christ went to the cross for our sins, again, you will stand before God. Well, I'm going to get to the next part. Let me, let me read this next part. It, This is talking about disputable matters, what are called disputable matters. These are the things that, you know, some Christians think that you can sprinkle for baptism. Some think that you have to fully immerse. Um, Some people think that you can baptize infants. Other people think you have to be at the age of accountability. Some people believe in Calvinism, some in Arminianism, all of these. These are disputable matters. They can be, you can make a biblical case one way or the other. And here it says in Romans 14.10, So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. So when you stand before the judgment seat of God, you're going to give one of two reasons why he should let you go to heaven. Either you're going to say, I lived a perfect sinless life, I did nothing wrong, therefore I should go into heaven. Or, I could not save myself, and therefore I received what Christ did for me on the cross. When he shed his blood for me, when he paid the price for me, I received that. 
Those are the only two options. There's not going to be negotiating with God and, you know, trying to figure out, well, is there some, can I go to purgatory or, you know, there's not going to be that. Either you are going to rely on your own works, and in that case, you have to be perfect. You can't ever sin, or you're going to rely on what Christ did on the cross. It says, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me. Every tongue will confess and give praise to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. You know, these disputable matters are to be kept between us and God. We are not supposed to look down our noses at other people, try to impose our opinions or our traditions. Again, you you're smart, you can figure it out. There are certain things that are just absolutely sin to you. Like James 4, 17. Whoever knows what is right and doesn't do it to him, it is sin. And that's a personal thing. And it's between you and God. But the thing is, it doesn't matter what other people say about you as long as he is pleased with you. There's one opinion that matters. So don't let others pass judgment on you. Don't let other people look down on you. I mean, you, again, you can't stop them from doing it, but don't receive it. Don't take that in. As long as your heavenly father is pleased with you, as long as you're unified with him and you're loving him and you're surrendering to him and you're honoring him and you're reading his word and letting him just pour out his spirit on you, who cares what other people say? Who cares? There's one opinion that matters. And it's that of our loving daddy, God. If you are a person and if you did not have a loving father on earth, I just want to say I am so sorry. Because I know that that can distort how you view your father in heaven. And I know it can be really destructive, but I really sense that today the Holy Spirit wants to come in and do a healing work. And he wants to to bring deliverance and freedom. He wants some people to walk out of their cages, their cages of woundedness, their cages of bitterness and unforgiveness, cages of bondage and sin. He wants us to walk in freedom. And and the only opinion that matters is, is his and what he says about us, what he says. And he says, you are chosen, you are redeemed, you are a royal priesthood, you are a holy nation, you are a people belonging unto God. That is good news, amen?